When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Vegas Golden Knights have won the Stanley Cup in their sixth season as a franchise. They became the second fastest team to win a championship in the expansion era behind the Edmonton Oilers, who did it in five seasons. Jonathan Marshall ended up winning the Conn Smythe, thank God. And the Vegas Golden Knights end up again winning game five, nine to three, hoisting the Stanley Cup in Vegas on Tuesday. Taylor, what's your reaction to Vegas coming away with a cup and our old pal William Carrier getting to finally hoist the Stanley Cup? Oh, so happy for Bill. So I we talked last week about the luck factor with Vegas. It's worth noting that they're not just lucky or whatever. Uh, people have put out a lot of stats recently about their dominance in the playoffs. And the way I kind of think about it is they're a team that fairly won the cup and absolutely could have won the cup regardless of their luck. They were good enough too, and they played well enough throughout the playoffs too. And I think the difference between, between them being a normal cup winner and or, you know, good solid contender and what they ended up being, their level of dominance, that's where the difference in luck is. So I think there, there was some talk about that on Twitter, like them being lucky versus them being good kind of thing. I think it's, it's yeah, it's worth noting that it's different. Florida was in this cup. Not, they weren't you know the worst team to ever make a cup, but they were in the cup because of luck. Or let's say a better example, the 2021 Montreal Canadiens. That's a team that makes the cup because of luck or really has their run because of luck. I think Vegas had their run enhanced and, you know, slightly made a little bit less stressful for their fans than it would have been. But damn, what a dominant finals it was. It really, uh, this, this phenomenon that's happened uh, for decades now where you absolutely can make the cup no matter how bad you are as long as you make the playoffs, but you can never win it if you do make it is so weird to me. Uh, it, it just is so consistently there. And I think even the one exception people would point out, the 2012 Kings, I think that's a fake exception. So it's it just weird to me, and it seems to always be a hot goalie who stops being hot. And as, as much as Florida had a great player in Matthew Kachuk and they have a couple other really good players, they're definitely a flawed team that shouldn't have been in the Stanley Cup. They also shouldn't have been an eight seed that almost missed the playoffs. They're probably somewhere in between. And they made the Cup because of Sergei Bavarovsky playing so well against both Toronto and Carolina after they scored so many timely goals against Boston. So... Him just, I don't know what his save percentage was in the final. If it was like 15%, 
just kidding, but I don't know. It must have been like in the mid eights. Like, yeah, they're not going to win when that happens. And Vegas just everything they shot went in, and Aiden Hill continued to play well. And frankly, they really suffocate you defensively. It's it's something they were already built for, and it just it just uh, they just got all the better at it under Bruce Cassidy. Agreed. And I I will say I, I completely agree with you in that Florida probably shouldn't have been there, but there were some pretty crazy injuries that Florida had experienced throughout these playoffs and that guys were playing with. Obviously, I don't think we actually mentioned this, that Matthew Kachuk was unable to play in game five due to the fact that he had a broken sternum. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of knew it was over when I saw the Matthew Kachuk is out thing. Uh, Aaron Eckblad ended up having a dislocated shoulder and I believe a broken foot as well. Uh, Brandon Montour was injured. Radko Gudis had a high ankle sprain. Sam Bennett had an upper body injury. E2 Luostarainen, he had a lower body injury. So they were pretty banged up down the stretch there. And obviously, if you're missing your best player and Matthew Kachuk, a guy who really does have the ability to just take over a game for you, it's going to make a big difference. But ultimately, Vegas was the better team in this series all around. They were ready for the moment. And... As unfortunate as it is, this is what they've been building for. This is why they went about their, you know, their off seasons and, and trade deadlines in the ways that they have. Um, you know, we talked last episode a bit about their luck that they had at the expansion draft when they had first come into the league and that several teams had just gifted them very good players uh, and made it. Yeah, but that also is the kind of making your own luck kind of luck because, that's just taking advantage of stupid GMs is what yeah. good teams do. Of course. Like Seattle didn't do that. Of course. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but back to the point, though, they, of course, as we had talked about, end up making some pretty big moves uh, in the form of bringing in guys like Mark Stone, obviously, with that trade, the Petrangelo trade, and then, of course, Jack Eichel most recently. And they were able to bring it home. There were a lot of questions in goal for them throughout this year because you go into a season with Robin Lander missing the entire year. Thankfully, though, they had Logan Thompson, who was coming off of a a really good run at the end of last year and into the playoffs. He ends up getting hurt. You end up cycling through a bunch of goalies, Laurent Brossois, Jonathan Quick, Aiden Hill. Uh, There's another one I'm missing, too, from the mix there as well. So there's a lot of question marks with this team, but they were able to overcome that. They were able to overcome the challenges that were thrown their way. They won some big series. They got some key play out of their best players. The best players showed up when they needed them to. Their down-the-lineup guys really showed up when they needed them to. Obviously, Jonathan Marshall had an incredible run in the postseason here, and they were able to get the job done in a blowout victory, which saw Mark Stone have a hat-trick. Jack Eichel and Shea Theodore both had three assists apiece in that game. So (sighs) where do we go moving forward from here, Taylor? Let's talk about these two Cup Finals teams. I mean, how do you feel like they both are built for next season and beyond? I think they're both actually decently well set up for next season. So long as there's an asterisk here, if Florida's goaltending holds up, because that could really keep them out of it. If it's kind of like it was this year and a Spencer Knight can come back uh, for Vegas. I just think it's really interesting. The, cause it's been said for years now, how bold they've been. They saw how good they were their first year. They knew that they were a little bit lucky in their, both in the regular season and playoffs that first year. So they said, they had to get better and they continued to add guys. And, and frankly, to the point now that they only have six guys from their original team left. Uh, but they, every off season, pretty much they, they were bold and they, they tried to add star players, whatever they could. So even their first year, they add uh Tatar at the deadline, they gave up a lot of picks for Thomas Tatar. 
and they ended up flipping him for Pacioretty, which ended up working out pretty well for both teams, I think. They had to give away Pacioretty for cap reasons this offseason, so kind of unfortunate for him that he missed out on this. But looking at the moves they made, what's really interesting is how many moves they just completely, I don't know, punk the other team on. And that, that starts with the expansion draft, obviously. It starts with, hey, we'll trade you Riley Smith if you take March or so instead of who the hell do they even want to protect? I don't even remember. <laughs> it's it's someone that's not good now. I'd have to go back and see. I mean, it's the same can be said it, though with Anaheim too, how they were able to get Shea Theodore. Yep. In Minnesota, they got Alex Tuck uh, so that they wouldn't take like Z- Jason Zucker or something like that. And it's like, you know what you, or Charlie Coyle, <laughs> one of those two guys. It's like, you, you'd rather have Alex Tuck in my opinion, but yeah, yeah they, they take Alex Tuck. Um, so yeah, they just, they, they did all those things at the expansion draft, but also Mark Stone, for a second and a prospect, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, Mark granted, Stone is like. Eric, I was going to say, granted, Eric Branstrom definitely has not panned out in the way that they were expecting him to in Ottawa, but still, I mean, we're talking about Mark Stone, one of the best two way players in the game. And it was widely known at the time that that was the case. Absolutely. He was a super important part of Ottawa making the conference finals, like surprisingly. He was one of their two good players, <laughs> you could yeah. say, if you're being not generous. He's great. I mean, he's an excellent two-way winger. He's their captain now, I believe. Like, he had a hat-trick in the deciding game of the Stanley Cup final. Like, he's incredible. Like, he's an incredible player. And he's the kind of guy, actually, that's perfect for them because he's tough to play against in in his own zone, not just a, a productive player, which he also is. That's That deal's a steal. But then there's all these little deals where they just they, – they can take guys who are not that successful and they just see something in them and then know they're going to be better. One example is obviously in this expansion draft is Wild Bill Carlson, who is one of their remaining guys from the expansion draft, had 40 goals his first year, and he wasn't a 40-goal scorer, but he's a good, strong, two-way middle six guy who scores more than 20 a year. That's great. They got him for free. Uh, Meanwhile, they got Chandler Stevenson basically for free. They got him for a fifth-round pick. That's a guy that was in the NHL for multiple years for Washington, actually won the cup against Vegas, what I would call the reverse Hosa. He joins Vegas and wins the cup, but he's been, he was their number one center for multiple years and he's a good number two center, very good number two center for a fifth round pick. A guy like Michael Amadio, they get him in there. He's just immediately better. Uh, They got Barbashev at the deadline for basically nothing. Like they just, they got all these guys and, you know, they made that Aiden Hill trade and it looks so astute now. And maybe it's just that their defensive system and their defensive players are so good that it doesn't matter, but like it, I mean, it matters a little bit who's in that. And Hill had a 932. They would have won the cup if he had a 920, but Jesus, he had a 932. Yeah. And that's after Laurent Persuade looked fine in the playoffs. It's after Logan Thompson looked fine in the regular season. And I mean, at the end of the day, they had all these guys. Technically, that means Hill is their fourth goalie. And I guess, based on the way they played him, that Jonathan Quick is their fifth goalie. And Jonathan Quick started a playoff series last year and almost won it. Weird yeah. sport, but I, I just wanted to mention all the, all those moves they meal they made that were steals. They also made the kind of moves you have to be willing to make, which are this is exactly a fair deal. We're not making out on this. Like, well, your mileage may vary, but starting with Petrangelo, they paid him what he was worth. He's there until he's pretty old and probably won't be worth the money anymore. But they paid him so he could be a number one defenseman in this kind of playoffs, and it worked. Uh, the other one's the Eichel trade, which we've gone over a million times. 
Sabres fans don't need to be reminded of that. But that's really, I know it's taken up all the oxygen in the room and people that don't pay as much attention think like that's some great steal that they won. But that's a deal where they had to be, look at Alex Tuck. They knew, they're a smart organization. They know how good Alex Tuck is. They know Krebs' potential. And they know uh, how valuable a first and a second can be, not just in terms of who you take, but in terms of making another deal later on. They looked at that. And they had to make a move for Eichel when he was still injured. And they had to have let him have that neck surgery. Like that was also um that was the one of the more ballsy moves, I would say. Not like that that's like Petrangelo. You're giving up something to get something, not giving up a fifth round pick to get Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. Like it's it's is honestly it's a great move for them as much as it is a good move for the Sabres. It was even with how happy we are with Tuck, who basically has the same points per game for less money. Like in Krebs and well, we got the one picture Jordan Greenway. The other one is Noah Otsland. It's a, it's honestly, I've continued to say it's a win-win, but it should be said that they are the ones with the cup. So it's a win for them too. And they probably don't win the cup without Eichel, but who knows? Maybe actually, I mean, I don't know if they have Tuck and Krebs, maybe they do win the cup still, but either way, it's just, it's worth saying that they just uh, every step of the way they just made these crazy moves. Which honestly, you could say something kind of similar about Colorado last year. So something to keep an eye on. Like these these little moves, they ended up they they end up adding up to a lot. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to be able to run it back next year, and especially too, what's the goaltending situation going to look like? I mean, yeah, having Logan Thompson and Robin Laner there, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to want to hand out a bunch of money to Aiden Hill. Not that I think he's going to, you know, request a, a ton, but again, with what you already have invested in the position, are you really able to bring him back when you're going to have two capable starting goalies coming back from injury there? And that leads to wonder too, what Aiden Hill's future is going to look like. Where is he going to end up next year? Because there's definitely some goalie needy teams out there. Not any that we would know about, but there's some teams out there that are going to need to address their starting goaltending position. And Aiden Hill feels like he completely poised himself as one of those guys that kind of pop up every year in free agency where it's like, well, this guy really hasn't gotten the full shot yet to take the reins on a job somewhere, but they have the potential and maybe he ends up going to a contender similar to something like with what, with uh, Alex Georgiev. So going to be really interesting to see how that's going to shake out with them. What would you do if you're the Knights though? So do you think quick retires? I mean, I think moving on from Laner is maybe step one. And then if you're able to move on from him, I should say. And then I would feel pretty good about running Logan Thompson. And depending on what you can get Aiden Hill back for, I mean, that wouldn't be the worst. But again, you have cap considerations and a lot of other things that are going to go into that roster breakdown and everything like that. So I, I do think that moving on from Laner though and getting his money off the books is probably step one. What about you? What would you do? I think it really depends what you end up finding out injury wise. Cause as I understand it, the last update is there's no timeline on Leonard or Thompson. I don't remember when Thompson got hurt at some point in the regular season. It's been a minute though. Yeah. Leonard is it's been 10 months. So it's, and he's both hips are surgically repaired. So I agree that I'd want to move on from Leonard. I just wonder if you could get him on LTIR again next year. And that's what you would do. Cause I don't, you're not trading Leonard to anyone. So I think right. maybe you just, you try to hold on to Aiden Hill with the idea that you're not confident Leonard can play next year and then deal with that as it comes. And then Brissois walks, I assume. So Brissois will be somewhere else. I would have to think that's the case. Yeah. All right. Well, do we want to hear a word from our sponsors before we carry on? Sure. And folks, uh, it's going to sound funny, but just imagine it's next spring already. It'll be here before you know it. 
Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And folks, of course, you know, there's more you can bet on than now that this is over. NBA playoffs are over. Golf, coming up. U.S. Open, you know, NASCAR, F1. Uh, baseball, that's still a sport, huh? The Women's World Cup's coming up, so all those things too. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and over in most states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and de- deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey teams terms. All right, and folks, you know that our second sponsor is Thin Man Brewery. Thin Man we really got to remind you one more time. The Summer Solstice Party is coming up. It's their seventh anniversary party. They used to have these before COVID. It's the first one they've had since COVID. So it's been a minute. Uh, there's, there's a big block party in front of Thin Man Elmwood. And there's so much uh, to like about what's going on there. Uh, they have bands. They have an entire lineup of bands that's playing. They have uh, food, beer, all kinds of fun stuff going on. I think it's going to be a great time. And Brendan is uh, going to be performing with Canadis. Brendan, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we're playing earlier on in the day at 3 p.m., so it's going to be great. Folks, who doesn't love day drinking? Right, Taylor? Don't we all love day drinking? We do, folks. Especially when a street gets closed down and you get to drink outdoors in the middle of the road. It's a great time. So, yeah, Canadis is playing at 3 o'clock. It's going to be a good time. Like we said last episode, you're going to be able to hear the our intro and outro song, Balancing Act, live. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Very, very excited for that. And the other cool thing, too, is that there's so many great artists on this bill. Uh, some personal friends of, of ours and our band, both Cooler and Johnny and the Man Kids, they're great. Um, this band Dead Wolf that has a couple pals in it, Well Worn Boot is playing, Tiny the Dream, Star Juice, Dogs in Stereo, DJ Titus, and of course, our boy DJ Cam Frank is going to be kicking off the day. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Again, we're playing at 3 p.m. So make sure you get down there early. I believe the event itself starts at noon, I want to say. So, yes, it's noon to 10 p.m. I've been saying perfect. noon to 8, but it's actually noon to 10. So get your tickets now. You will not regret it. We'll be hanging out all day there. It's going to be a great time. You get to hang with me and Taylor and our pals from Thin Man, all these cool artists and bands. A bunch of other cool people are going to be there. It's going to be a great time. It's it's going to be the place to be on Saturday. So make sure you're coming and checking out Thin Man's Summer Solstice on Elmwood. Head to thinmanbrewery.com right now. Pick up those tickets. Only 25 bucks. You get a whole day's worth of live music partying, hanging out, even if you aren't a drinker too. Uh, of course, there are, are pals out there who aren't too big of fans of drinking, don't like to drink. That's totally okay. There's going to be a ton of great non-alcoholic options there as well. Lots you of also probably options. just smoke weed in the street. I bet no one gets mad at you. Well, <laughs> I, I guess we're going to find out. I imagine. <laughs> Take the risk. Uh, also, just wanted to, if, you, if you're interested in the full lineup, also, if you're interested, just the easiest way to find tickets, just go to their Instagram bio. And there's a direct link there. But yeah, like Brendan mentioned, some of these bands, it's starting with DJ Titus and DJ Cam Frank. 
Uh, Dogs on Stereo at two, Canadas at three, Cooler at four, Johnny and the Man Kids at five, Stardust at six, Tiny the Dream at seven, Dead Wolf at eight, and Well Worn Boot at nine. I believe Well Worn Boot had a beer named after them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, that's available. And honestly, you could look at all the, if you go to their Instagram bio and like just click on the link, and you could also find this on their website, thinmanbrewery.com. There's information on Go Skate Day, which is the 21st, the Weirdly, Weirdly Wonderful Beer Festival coming up July 22nd. So, got all that going on. Uh, and then, you know, just in general, like there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff. I think this is going to be a great weekend. Like they put out the food uh, information there. They put out, you know, like the bands like I just read off. Like there's going to be all these beers, like Brandon mentioned, not non-alcoholic options. And it's like you said, only twenty five dollars. If you want to buy tickets day of, it's going to be 30. So I recommend buying them before Saturday. Uh, and again, general admission gets you access to the festival grounds. First floor of the tap room, commemorative glass, your first pour. Uh, you can be VIP for $75. That gets you access to the festival grounds, the first and second floors of the tap room, a commemorative glass, and six drink and food tickets. Executive VIPs, which is $150, you get access to the festival grounds, first and second floors of the tap room, private second floor patio, commemorative glass, open bar. That's noon to 8 p.m. for thin man beers, well drinks, high noon seltzers. And you get open food package. And remember, you get to ask Yvonne one story about being in New York in the aughts. He has to tell you a story. And it everyone has to get a different story. So hold him to that. And all right. And so that's and noon will, to 10 p.m. Taylor and I are going to secretly record all of them. And our new episode coming out on Monday is just going to be a montage of Yvonne's stories. Yeah. So look out for that as well. Uh, and also, uh, it's uh, it's just going to be a good time. Plus, you could see us there. I like to think we're pretty fun people. I plan to be there pretty much the whole time. I don't know about you, Brendan. I will also be there the whole time. It'll be a good time. So if you are there, though, come say what's up to us and we'll buy you a beer. That's right. Come perhaps say what up and we'll Brendan buy will buy you a beer. An American Lemieux, perhaps. Yeah. There we Definitely. go. Did you see this report that came out uh, that Budweiser is no longer the best? Bud Light, sorry, is no longer the best-selling beer in America. It's number two. I didn't look who it is, but I assume American Lemieux is number one. I think it is. I'm pretty sure that's what at least I had heard from the latest reports. All right. That's great. It's either my that or Super been, Freak. So my phone's been ringing off the hook. So I'm assuming it's that. I haven't answered any of the calls, though. You know, build, keep the education yeah. building, keep them wanting more. Same. Yeah. Phone right off the hook. And I got to say, I got to keep step leaving my phone on that fucking hook. I know, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the show. Uh, the Florida Panthers. They had entirely too many Buffalo Sabers. I gotta say, they might have been That's their downfall. Fair. How many we think? How many do they have? Four, three, three, four. Montour, Reinhardt, no, five. five. Montour, Reinhardt, yep. Stahl, Delpy, and Fitzgerald. Yep. Too many. Remove <laughs> at least two. I mean, Vegas technically at four with Leonard, but I don't know. Carrier and McNabb barely played for the Sabers. I mean, so did Fitzgerald and Delpy, whatever. But <laughs> I guess. But yeah, so Florida, I think they're interesting going forward because they should they should be between two years ago and this year, next year, right? Depending on how the offseason goes. Yeah. They should probably be a mid-seed. Yep. I think not even like – well, I was even going to say too. I mean, it depends on how the goaltending thing shakes out for them. That's really what it comes down to because like what is Bob going to look like next year? Like you mentioned before, what is Spencer Knight's situation going to be? Is he going to be healthy from the go? Is he going to be ready to play from the go? Just given obviously some of the, the off the ice issues that he was going through this year. But I will say though, I mean, you have a really good core there between Barkov, Kachuk, 
Reinhardt, obviously. Ekblad is hurt, and he's going to miss the starting training camp, but he'll still be back for the regular season. Montour. And then, of course, you have Anton Lindell. You also have uh, Carter Verhage. So you have a really good core there in Florida, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they're going to retool or maybe add a couple pieces this this coming offseason because I think with that group there, and again, with just how great Matthew Kachuk was pretty much the past two years, and especially in the playoffs, how he took it up a notch, Getting hurt, I'm sure that's going to leave a bad taste in his mouth and not being able to play in that final game. I think I, I want to think about it more and I want to see how they approach the offseason. This isn't just a me like, oh, these guys made it to the cup, so they're just like automatically going to be good next year and need to be regarded as the best. But I think that they have a real shot at potentially even winning the division next year too. I mean, yeah, we, we've been over this before, but the big three teams in the Atlantic gave up a ton and then their salary cap, they're kind of went for it this year. So the salary caps are all kind of screwed up. By the way, none of them made the conference final. But so the salary caps are all kind of screwed up. They have no draft picks coming up. I think still Toronto will be good next year. Boston will be good, but not as good. And who knows how good they'll be if, if Bergeron's gone. That'll be an interesting wrinkle. Uh, and then if he's back, what kind of depth are they going to have? Uh, that It's all worth looking at. Like, what's their goaltending going to look like? Are both guys coming back? Probably not. Uh, and then looking at Tampa, like they're old. All these guys have played a million games. Their depth isn't great. It's it's something to look at. I mean, Hedman uh, did not exactly look like Victor Hedman this year. Vasilevsky had a good regular season, but not at all a good playoffs. Right. That's probably nothing. They'll probably be fine. So that I mean, but they were a 96 point team this year. They were only five points ahead of the Sabres. So I think Florida really, there's no reason Florida couldn't win the division like 105, 107 points. Maybe it'll just be all those teams being relatively close and the Sabres will be in the conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's fair. We could just get this out of the way too, that the Sabres are going to win the President's Trophy next year, right? No, I want to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, President's right. Trophy. Okay, so they'll come in second then in President's Trophy points total. That's great. That's second what Colorado did last year, right? Yeah, that's actually, okay, I like that track better. Yeah, that's, that's better. In Vegas, mm, is Vegas second this year? They were up there. So maybe second place is actually the move. I think that's where it's at. All right. So we'll come in second, win the Stanley Cup next year. It'll be great. And then we could just start planning the parade. So this was pointed out uh, that Vegas won in overtime of game seven in the bubble against Vancouver. I don't remember anything about this game. Vancouver was in the second round. (laughs) Game seven overtime. Ridiculous. But someone pointed out if Vegas had lost, that they would have had in their first six seasons, all six potential season outcomes which would have been an insane thing to happen. Holy shit. Because they would have had won the cup, lost the cup, lost the conference final, lost the second round, lost the first round, missed the playoffs. You know, I, I think it's just you, you got to give credit to the very patient Vegas fan base. These these longtime hockey fans, these longtime Golden Knights fans really going through this just unimaginable six years of suffering, missing the playoffs one time. I mean, it's it's been a really tough road for them. And I just really <laughs> extend my condolences to all of them. Yeah. Otherwise I'm going to go jump off my balcony now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough out there. And the, Hey, the, uh, the Vegas sports scenes exploding, man. They're getting a, a terrible baseball team. Uh, at some point soon they're paying for some Is reason. That a done deal, them- by the way, I know there was like the big protest. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, the protests, but like, so the owners could stop it, but I don't think they're gonna. I think it's gonna get approved. Basically, the Nevada state legislator approved the funding that the team wants for the stadium uh, to be built. 
And it's, that kind of kills me because I know why Buffalo has to do that to keep a team. But you're Vegas, man. Everyone wants to be in Vegas now. Right. Like, which is uh, another point we could talk about later in the summer or whatever. The NHL really did a good job with this. They got on the ground floor in Vegas. They proved that Vegas pro sports could work. And now Ve- the Golden Knights, at least for a while, are going to be Vegas's team that people in Vegas really care about. Like, yep. it'd be interesting. You know, the Raiders are there, whatever. But they're going to get an NBA expansion team. The NBA is following the NHL's model. They're going to do Vegas and Seattle, uh, and then the MLB. Like, I don't. Why don't they just keep this in their back pocket for expansion? Like, That's MLB. I, I want to ask you now. I know you're all like super short sighted and stupid. Why are you doing this? And then Vegas legislature. Why are you doing this? Tell like have someone just build something. So like, like, like I want a team. I'm building this. Like, make someone like have that be expansion or just go there. Like the Rams going to LA, LA didn't just give, didn't just build SoFi for the Rams because they're LA. Well, you're Las Vegas. You're a really hot commodity in sports right now. She mentioned you also have a WNBA team. Like they're also like good and like have a, a big fan base there. Speak relatively speaking to the WNBA. Like you matter. Like you're a, you're a growing city. Like you're a growing sports market. Everyone's interested in you now. Like, why are you just kowtowing to the, one of the worst goddamn owners in sports? Why do you want to do business with John Fisher? Why do you want to pay $380 million for the privilege to do business with John Fisher? Look at how he's run the A's. Right. hundred percent wait for it. And also, I don't know what the numbers would be, but I would have to think if they did with the expansion route, they'd make more money. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, the the whole MLB would make more money, too. The MLB should also just – I don't think they should be giving up on Oakland as a market. I think I, I feel the horrible Bay Area, about that, man. I, I it, feel it so really bad. Sucks. Like, yeah. between the Raiders and then now the A's, like, come on. Those are two just, like, staples. I mean – The Warriors also left? Yeah. It's uh, really sad. They, they, at one point, had four pro sports teams. Which wow. Is, because they had the seals as well. It's it's yeah. been a while, but it's been fifty years almost. But still, that's it's crazy. And Oakland is not a small city; it's a big city, and it's no, in sure. the Bay Area. Like I, I know, there's Silicon Valley's had a tough year or two, but like Silicon Valley, still, there's a lot of money in the Bay Area, like more money than you could possibly imagine. And they're gonna have one MLB team. They're gonna have one hockey team. Like there's just that's weird. There aren't more sports teams there in general right now, but like. So this a- whole A's fan base is just going to be go to the Giants now. Like that's interesting, right? Then that kind of make the Giants. I don't know if people are just going to immediately defect, but like generationally, it will happen. Yeah, for sure. So I think I think like longtime fans are not going to become Giants fans, but like kids growing up or people that move to Oakland at some point, like the natural team to cheer for will be San Francisco at that point. I I mean I don't know how well that works, but like you know the Warriors are in San Francisco. They always share those teams. Uh, they football they they didn't obviously but like i don't know and then there's san jose which is weirdly one of the like most populous cities in america people don't talk about it it's like i think it actually has more people in the city than both of those places like huge huge place so all three of those places like it's just crazy to me that the mlb would be like yeah we could be the only team in this huge city oakland would have to be right there with san diego as one of the biggest cities to just have one team and the MLB is going to abandon it because of this terrible owner. Just force them to sell. Right. They can't force them to sell because they're all running the same scheme. He's just running it the shittiest. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that's what feels like would be like the most satisfying solution to all of this is he just sells the team. I know. And the thing that kills me too is like this guy didn't even make it in business. <laughs> he inherited the gap fortune. 
who among us has not inherited uh, a large clothing line fortune you know yeah i'm forever 21 my my grandfather uh you know billy old navy can't wait to get my inheritance someday oh man (laughs) so yeah that 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 whole thing is kind of crazy i don't know why vegas is doing that i don't know how we got on that discussion but i don't know well vegas is just like a sports market oh yeah i mean it's 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 a place now Mm-hmm. Oh, you're you're talking about how the fans. Yeah, it's it's a good time to be a Vegas sports fan. I don't know if people like do watch WNBA or not, but like they won a championship. Vegas, the Knights have been consistently good. They won a championship. The Raiders exist. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just have a football team. I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting. It's a good time for them. Speaking of football teams, you want to, <laughs> this wasn't a part of our plan for the day, but you want to talk about Stefan Diggs at all? Uh, sure. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't, I can't really tell what's wrong. It's I've been like flipping back and forth between blaming Steph, Josh and McDermott. Uh, I don't really know what exactly the problem is. There's definitely a problem. Uh, but I would say this for Diggs in particular, either make it a public issue or don't like if it's a public issue and you want it to be something you negotiate through the media, do that. If you want to keep it private, which I, I always prefer, but like if you want to keep it private, keep it in house, keep it in house. I mean, it's a little bit McDermott's fault, a little bit. Oh, it's a lot McDermott's fault. A lot that of got out. Like, fault. It's a lot his fault because he stupidly said that he like made it a thing for no reason. But it, it didn't start on Monday or whenever that was Monday. It didn't, it was. But for me, it's like he could have put the fire out so easily. Instead he could have. He screwed up. the very concerning comment. All you had to do was Steph was here this morning for his physical. He was with the team earlier and I excused him after we had conversations today. And then that pretty much leads to avoiding the fire drill that they had to have yesterday. Also the weirdly passive aggressive, like social media post on the bills, like accounts that Diggs wasn't practicing and stuff. Like it just didn't make any sense. But then today at practice, you know, him and Josh are slapping each other up and doing their handshake and everything. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think to your point, I think that the blame can go around to all three of them. And I don't know if this is just me or not. I know people have suggested this too. I feel like this has something to, it has to have something to do with Diggs's issue being um, something with, you know, McDermott and Dorsey. I, I would have to think like, I know getting him the ball has been like a comment that's been brought up a few times over the past couple of days. And Josh had mentioned that specifically too. McDermott mentioned it in his presser yesterday when he had to just pretty much like eat shit and walk back on everything. And I don't know. It's just, listen, go win a goddamn Super Bowl. I I really don't care. Like Diggs yeah. still you're in a position now that it's not like you can trade him or anything like that. Also, with just like the money situation, you're not going to get nearly the value back that you would want to if you tried to move on from him, like some people have suggested. There's just no sense in it. And so the most value that you can get out of Stefan Diggs is having him on this team this year, and you go out and win a Super Bowl, and boom, everybody's happy. There you go. Yeah, you can't not have him on the team. Well, I guess what I was saying with Diggs, though, is like if he's going to make it a public issue, then just do it. Like, Yeah, no, say what it is. Because it's been all offseason. It's like Stay with your chest. No, no subtweets, no passive-aggressive Instagram stories. You're not 15, man. You're an adult. Like, just say it. You got a problem? Go do sit-ups in your driveway like T.O. And who just got, like, a 16 – what was it? In March, he got a $16 million bonus that yeah. they, like, got him. So, like, come on, man. Yeah, just – whatever your issue is, just do it. And, it, honestly, it kind of seems like it's possible that it was a minor issue that they were having and mm-hmm. uh, or something was going on, some kind of rift that was somewhat private at least, and then McDermott very stupidly – blew that up i don't i don't know if he's a very smart guy i gotta be honest i kind of still i don't hate him as a coach i'm kind of torn on him as a coach 
mostly because I just don't want Terry Pagula in another coach hiring process. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, I don't, I've never listened to a press conference and been like, not never, but like very few times where I'm like, damn, this guy. Yeah. I'm confident inspired right now. I just there, think like, man, yeah. what a stupid thing to say. I mean, it, listen, I don't think that his job is in jeopardy or anything like that, but like the microscope has got to be on like the past two, three years have been them being in their window. And you can very fairly say that obviously, you know, guys haven't shown up in the way that you wanted them to in some instances, but the much more prevailing issue has been coaching in big moments. Like they have dropped the ball, both, Dorsey last season and McDermott, obviously previously, I know I don't have to give everybody a refresher on that, but like they have not shown up in big moments when they've needed to. And sure. There's, there's obviously times when teams have guys who can just will their way into a title in spite of the incompetence of a coach or the, the lack of game plan or whatever you want to call it. I think that's, that's happened a a few times, even in recent memory. I mean, I think about like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, for example, like they were able to like Rodgers was able to do that. I don't think anybody is sitting here thinking that Mike McCarthy in today's NFL is some virtuoso by any means, but yeah, I mean, it's clear obviously that McDermott's better than any of the coaches we grew up watching. Uh, and it's not even close really, but I, there's some good things with him. Like the team besides this week, he's a good culture guy. Yeah. Uh, normally, uh, the team is genuinely very prepared. Uh, they got blown out hmm, kind of in the playoffs this year, but like, and they got blown out weirdly a lot after Darius got traded in 2017 and then early 2018. But like, I think in general, he has a team really ready to play. Uh, he, the defense is good every year. It's been it's been the best overall regular season defense since 2017. Uh, he empowered Dable. Uh, he, I don't know what's going on with Dorsey, but he, he, I mean, you know, hiring Dable in general, that was a great move. Dable's track record wasn't any, honestly, wasn't all that great. I, a lot of people are good with Alabama and he had a lot of interesting stats before that, that weren't that good. So McDermott's done a lot of good. And in general, I think he's a way better in-game coach for the most part, most of the time that people give him credit for, like this, this whole season too, they seem to adjust well at halftime. Like the bears game's a great example. Like it, it kind of seemed like they were going to lose and then they didn't. I think they were, they were good at that adjusting, but they're also like, he does use his timeouts. Well, he does go for, four, uh, go for it on fourth down, uh, like tries to avoid punting and field goals. Like for the most part, there's big situations where he doesn't. And that stands out. And the main thing is it's not the playoffs overall, but there are certain playoff games and it's the ones they end up losing where he just comes up small and the, yeah. there's either three or four great examples, depending on you look at it. I might give them a break for the Texans one, but because they just, I don't know. Deshaun Watson was better than, than the bills, but that's, that's bad. That's a collapse. A little bit on Allen, a little bit on not finishing drives, but like 2020, they got their ass kicked in the AFC championship and he looked, he was super outmatched like coaching wise. There's no reason they should have got their ass kicked by that chiefs team. You saw the chiefs team in the super bowl the next week. They got destroyed by the Bucks. Like this, the really the Bills. They should have been at least. They should have been a close game at the very least. No real complaints about how they played against the Chiefs in 2021, but 13 seconds. That's got to go on McDermott a little bit or a lot. Can't believe you uh, and then those words. This year, like the, again, like he's he he's playing scared and is he and Frazier and Dorsey are immediately uh, outfoxed. And I also think like maybe he has uh, some faith in Dorsey, but. God, I would have probably made a move on that this offseason. So 
yeah, in general, like looking at like McDermott overall, it's just like it's kind of not that dissimilar to most of Andy Reid's career before he got Mahomes. Like, yeah. hey, we know you're good. We know you can make in McDermott's case, it's been defense, and Reid's case it was offense. We know you can make this work, but you got to get it done in the playoffs. And that was consistently didn't until he did. And McDermott might be, it might be another team. It might be in 12 years that he does it. The other thing is that the NFL has moved so much to offensive minded coaches uh, that it's, uh, I don't know. It's almost a disadvantage having a defensive guy. I don't know if that's a hundred percent the case. I think it's just that if you have Dable or someone like Dable, you're fine, but they, they don't anymore. I, I don't know what exactly it is. It's like Dorsey. I do want to say one last thing on McDermott. Cause I, I come down on, he's an average to slightly above average coach. The two things that I think about this, whenever I see like the peop, kind of people bashing him, well, first of all, personality wise, I get it. He annoys the shit out of me too, but he, he's been better at his job than Brandon Bean. People don't probably want to hear that as much because Bean would be hiring the next coach. Bean has been, I mean, the best draft they've had in this era was run by McDermott. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's an argument for kicking him up into the front office and them both hiring a new coach. That's actually something I haven't thought of. Yeah. Uh, Bean just, you know, he hasn't drafted a pro bowler in multiple years. Like there's been a lot of wasted picks. Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa. We don't have to get into that too much, but they just haven't done all that great of a job. Like he hasn't done a good job on the offensive line. The receiving core behind Diggs is pretty thin. Now they've done good, great stuff too, obviously, but he's not like the best GM ever. GMs tend to have a longer lease. So he would get to hire a new coach. Uh, but then what do you really trust him to hire a new coach? I don't know. He got hired by McDermott basically. So you have to, that's kind of uncertainty. Maybe they make the right hire. Well, if they don't and Bean's gone, then what? Then we, you know, you have Terry Pagula coaching search, GM search. Good fucking luck. I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah, but I'm really confident, but I was, I get it. So like, I get it. So like if, if they lose again in the playoffs this year and it's in a similar fashion, you pretty much have to fire McDermott. You can't just keep doing this. Uh, The other thing I want to say is the people that, you know, I get it. Like it'd be, it seems attractive now to have Dayball as a coach. A lot of us, Twitter, Bills fans in general, were not happy with Dable for most of the 2021 season. And you could go back and look. A lot of people think there was some big turnarounds when we had that almost comeback against Tampa Bay. Look how the Bills ended the season on offense. Not good. The Carolina game, that well, the, aside from the Patriots game, which was good, but the three of the last four games were the Carolina game, which Cam Newton had to basically hand them. The Atlanta game that Matt Ryan had to hand them, that Josh threw zero touchdowns and three picks in. Uh, and the last game of the season that won the division was against the jets and that game was a mess. They couldn't score at all in the first half. So like that was, that season was really rocky on offense 2021. Uh, so table getting hired made some sense, especially after the playoffs, but I wasn't like coming out of those playoffs being like, Holy shit, we gotta, we gotta make sure we keep Dable because I remember the regular season. Well, the only thing I'll say too, on like a potential, Obviously, if things go just like horribly wrong this year, next year, whatever, like if they were to move on from McDermott at some point in the future, Josh is of the stature now, though, that he would, I feel like, be involved in that conversation, which gives me a little bit of hope that they would try and get something that would cater to him. Well, uh, Josh was also involved in the offensive coordinator search. So, well, I guess I'll just go fuck myself. (laughs) I mean, we'll see, but. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to have too much like negativity about the future just because I don't trust the owner. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I think, I guess I'm kind of in the middle on McDermott. Uh, you can fire him definitely, but like, 
I also, when you do fire him, I, I think you got to look at him as like the best Bills coach since Marvin. It's not that close. Maybe it's close with Wade Phillips. I don't know. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, also, it's a. Uh, kind of making me look at the roster and I, I don't know. We'll see how McDermott handles the defense. Hopefully that'll be good. I'm like, God, I hope the new offensive line is good. Because it seems like it's going to be at least on paper. I think, do you think that this year's roster is better than last year's? Uh, no. Cause Von Miller isn't healthy yet. No Trey Edmonds. So, but the offensive line might be better. We'll see what you get Trey, like, for, you get Trey white for a full season too. Yeah. That's an interesting one. And I think also that they're say I, I think Taylor Rapp is going to end up being a pretty unsung key piece of that defense too. Uh, also, I mean, the if you want to say like better than last season, they're definitely better than the end of last season because uh, <laughs> there was a lot of missing pieces at the end of last season. Well, see, there you go. Yeah. And, I mean, who knows? Let's see how Kincaid is going to end up being able to impact the team too. That'd be good. I mean, it, it's been noted that uh, first round tight ends haven't been all that productive, uh, especially their rookie years, but who knows? Cause he's not actually tight end. He's a weapon. Oh God. <laughs> so how do we move up to the second overall pick or third overall pick next year in draft Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, that's a great question. Okay. Something for us to think about. Hmm. Hmm. It probably can't happen. Probably not, but can you imagine though? <laughs> That'd be absolutely insane. That'd be cool. That yeah, be very cool. All right, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off? Uh, well, I watched Once Upon a Time in Anaheim. Brendan hasn't watched it yet, folks. So maybe watch it because I think we'll talk about it at some point next week. Whenever Brendan watches it, it's yeah. an interesting E60. It's on ESPN Plus if you have it. Also, we won't say who, but we're going to have a guest on Monday's episode. Haven't had one of those in a while. So looking forward to welcoming a first-time guest on Straight Up Sabres. That's right. It'll be interesting. We can't wait. Ralph Kruger is going to be joining us Monday, (laughs) uh, where he will stand trial for his crimes against humanity. Anyways, though, everybody, well, hopefully we're going to see you on Saturday at Summer Solstice for Thin Man. It's going to be a great time. Again, go to thinmanbrewery.com and get those tickets. But thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And before you do that and close out the app while listening to this episode, make sure you are subscribed and or following us. We'd very, very much appreciate it. And follow both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, at Straight Sabres on Twitter. Last but not least, we love our sponsors, folks, starting off with DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals at checkout for all of your betting desires. And, of course, Thin Man Brewery again. Last reminder, get those tickets to Summer Solstice. Come say what's up to us. We'd love to see you there. It's going to be a really, really great time. We'll be back with a brand-new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.